Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my magical guest for today is Uma Dinsmortuli. Uma is a world-renowned yoga therapist and the author of a number of books and audio programs, including the now epic Yoni Shakti book. Uma was first introduced to yoga at the age of four by her mother through a program on national TV in the UK, and she began meditating at the age of nine on a pilgrimage with her maternal grandmother. Both yoga and meditation have been a huge part of her life since then. Uma is trained in yoga therapy, structural yoga therapy, and Ayurvedic yoga therapy. She's developed her own courses, including Well Woman Yoga and the Integrated Mother and Baby Yoga Teacher Training. She continues to teach and practice yoga with the heart of her daily personal and therapeutic practice being Yoga Nidra, which she has refined to include a range of particularly feminine therapeutic applications, for example, for fertility, positive birthing, and conscious menstrual health and menopause. And on a more slightly personal note, we've just discovered that we both went to the same university in London, the wonderful Goldsmiths College, and we were there at the same time without even knowing about it. So welcome, Uma. I am so glad to have you here. Oh, blessings, Emmy. Thank you, thank you for the invitation to be here with you and uh, to share about the sacred feminine with you and your beautiful network and community. It's a delight to be here. <laughs> uh, thank you, Uma. It is an absolute blessing to have you with us. And I am super, super excited to be learning from you today. Now, since my podcast is called Sacred Feminine Power, I always like to start by asking my guests, what does sacred feminine power mean to you? This is the best question, Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> so is sacred feminine power in essence to me really means the rhythmic cycles of life herself. You know, I'm talking about the power of life herself. So that manifests in so many, many, many different ways is the essence of biodiversity of, you know, full spectrum consciousness and, and ways of being and showing up in the world. So that's how I see and feel the presence of deep feminine power. And for me, that rhythmic cycles of life, you know, the ebbs and the flows of every cycle, you know, um, I've done a lot of work around, you know, conscious menstruation and menopause, but it, it's not just those cycles. Those cycles are very big and very noticeable, but like every cycle are cycles of life and of gestation and birth and, and even like political unfoldings and, and all of this, I feel, is manifesting the power of life herself. And so I also have a personal kind of relating to a set of wisdom goddesses who I understand manifest a way to relate to each of the the cycles of life. So they're called the Dasha Maha Vidyas, which means the 10 great wisdom goddesses. And, and I have a kind of, per, that's my personal devotional practice is connecting with those very powerful tantric goddesses, but at a, at a, at a at the level of my kind of daily life, how I feel the real sacredness of feminine power manifesting is in these unstoppable process of change time itself life itself that's her with a capital h <laughs> yeah mm, 
Absolutely. And I believe we could talk about these cycles and the great wisdom <laughs> goddesses for two hours. But before we go into any more depth on that, I would love to hear from you about a challenge that you might have faced in your life that's really helped you to activate the sacred feminine power within you and your life's path and perhaps in some ways led you to these 10 great wisdom goddesses as well. Yeah, I'm, I reflected on the many challenges. I mean, I've had many gifts and huge privilege in my life, privilege of education being the chief amongst them. <laughs> um, but I think one of the challenges that really helped me, led me to really understanding these processes of initiation and change and cycles was a very, at the time it was extremely painful because we were very deeply mired or involved with a yoga lineage, very famous yoga lineage, very close into the, the guru and the teachings. And over a period of years, a number of quite painful experiences arose that, that um, initially caused us to be kind of excommunicated. I say us, my husband and myself, and we're involved. And my mother-in-law was a close devotee, like a swami, a monk who lived with the, the head guru. And at a certain point in our, and this, it was like everything to us. I don't know if any of you have ever been involved in, you know, like a really close knit spiritual community where these people are not just your friends and your colleagues, but like your family, your neighbors, your, it, we were really deeply involved. And at a certain point it became extremely clear that we'd been excommunicated, you know, excluded from it. Um, and later I discovered through a massive, um, investigation that was unfolding in Australia that in fact the guru was was uh, accused and I believe rightly accused of quite violent um, sexual and emotional and physical abuses of children and young women in ashrams and for me that led me it kind of awoke to me a real understanding that the truth of all of the teachings I held very dear were absolutely nothing to do <laughs> and they were not the property of the person who had taught them to us uh, it's quite hard to describe it's not even like a divorce or a break in that sense it was as if it shook my entire foundations of understanding about what I'd actually invested in and showed me that truly if I were to connect with the deep powers that work through my life and everyone else's I in order to honor what was right what was ethical and also what was her, what was the sacred feminine power that I feel had been deeply abused in the form of the women and the children who were victims of this violence. Actually, what I began to see was the necessity to stand up, speak up, call it out, <laughs> name it. And that made a lot of people who he had been close to very, very uncomfortable, very unhappy. And, um, and it was the right thing to do. I was called to sort of step into what I felt was her service and to speak the truth, to di completely disconnect from what had been a very important part of our lives and to realize that deep underneath what that was doing was calling for me to speak out in praise and honor of the real power, <laughs> which was, you know, which is her, which was the sacred feminine power, which had looked like it was being honored, but actually right underneath, it really was, she really was not being honored. And, and in, the, in those moments and those years that followed, I needed to speak up. And it really, 
it called me to step into her service in a different way, I think, really. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably about that, Uma. I mean, I can imagine how dramatic and traumatic that experience must have been for you. Um, not just the excommunication, uh, but then also the uh, realization that everything that you had held dear and, and felt true was not connected to this person who taught it to you. I mean, that must have been absolutely massive. It was massive. I mean, I feel that there were things about it that, you know, it's not the biggest trauma in the world. You know, I was physically unharmed by this experience. I, I was not one of the victims of the violence and the abuse that had gone on. I'd been very suspicious about certain things. My children had been safe. I'd never let them outside of, out of my sight when I was in those ashrams. Uh -huh. So I felt in lots of ways we had kind of a narrow squeak, you know what I mean? I felt like I was the fortunate one. And it was partly a sense of that that really empowered me to like just use my voice, to use my privilege and to use my um, position as someone who was able to share this widely, to make public statements and to support the victims. And I had always been in that kind of role in many parts of my life in the past, but somehow or other, I don't know, somehow when you get caught up with things that say they're sacred, sometimes people's capacity for rational analysis, such as we learned in mm. Goldsmiths, <laughs> would go out of the window. And I was like, what the, what am I doing with this organization? You know, it was like very clearly um, calling the real truth and that that felt like it was really absolutely in service of Marinette that pretty much around that time also I'd given birth to a daughter mm. and um, that was um, also a bit of a wake-up call having mothered sons prior to that I was like oh now we have a little yoni creature you know a creature with a yoni <laughs> a, a human with a yoni and a uterus and she's gonna have to go out into the world and the world is not a good place to be for girls and women and and you know it it it, it felt like it wasn't at the same time she was born um kind of after the excommunication but before she was in the, but before the revelations you sort of mean i became the mother to a daughter and that also was something of a challenge to happen in the middle of that. It changed my capacity to relate to the young women and the daughters who'd been harmed. And uh, because I, I could feel as the mother of a daughter in a very personal way, what that actually meant, you know, um, not that I hadn't really sensed how terrible it was before, but there was something about physically embodying that as my own, you know, in my own mothering for a daughter, I was like, God, you know, this mm. is, this is not, it's no, it's no, it was never acceptable, but it's like, I actually felt hugely galvanized um, by that, by that capacity to speak on, on the behalf of the daughters, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can completely relate to that since the birth of my daughter, um, my views and, and the way I, because I've also been working in the field of women's rights and child rights pretty much throughout my career. But after the birth of my daughter, that really changed the way I could relate and the way yeah. I could understand at a much deeper level. So thank you for, for expanding on that. And I, yeah. really, I really love the way how you stepped into your sacred feminine power by speaking up because women have been silenced for such a long time. For, for hundreds and thousands of years and still continue to be. And 
speaking your truth, no matter how scary that might feel initially, is such a service to the divine feminine and such a huge act of stepping into that sacred feminine power. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am one of the, one of my senses of the powerful wisdom goddesses, one of them, Bhairavi, she stands in the, her power is, is what's called in Sanskrit, Vak. Vak is the power of speech. Mm. So one of her qualities is to empower. Some people call it anger or wrath, but like a kind of righteousness of, uh, you know, voicing the truth on behalf of others, often on behalf of the voiceless. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's a role, especially as I become an older woman, you know, I'm in my fifties now, you know, I'm like, it was actually, there's a special role for, for us as we age to speak up on behalf of the younger women who sometimes are so, you know, constrained and, uh, silenced that they might not have a voice or even on behalf of the earth herself who mm. who does not have a voice you know in court even you know it's like we speaking on behalf of her is um yeah is an act in her service i believe yeah absolutely beautiful now uma in, when i introduced you I, I mentioned um yoga nidra as being a central aspect of your current yoga practice for yourself in your personal life and also in terms of what you support other people with. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a little bit more about what yoga nidra is and what does it actually mean for you? We're now going from talking about rage and wrath and <laughs> speaking up to something completely, well, possibly not completely different <laughs> but the other other end of it i would imagine could you expand on that please yeah i mean i'm glad that you're asking about it because uh, yoga nidra literally all it means is yoga sleep the word nidra in sanskrit means sleep and nidra is sleep or rest so you can translate it as like the sleep of the yogis the yoga of sleep the sleep which is yoga you can translate it in a, lots of different ways in practice what that means today as a contemporary practice is usually a form of very profound relaxation. It's actually a meditative heart space practice where you actually do nothing whatsoever. <laughs> you usually lie down, but you can do it sat up. Um, uh, you can also do it standing, but the more typical way is to be lying down in absolute comfort with nothing to do, not even to have to pay attention to the recordings or to the live voice or whatever. And just to be in that state, which is effectively like a meditation on falling asleep. And I see this as a very radical act. <laughs> the yeah, reason being yeah. that mostly we're driven never to stop. Um, there's a lot to be said about why this is connected to patriarchy, to white supremacy, to perfectionism, to a whole set of nexus of interconnecting oppressions that is both racist and misogynist. So that there's a lot to be said there, mm -hmm. but mostly it's about us feeling guilty um, to rest or ashamed of stopping. And, act, and also there's such an epidemic of sleep problems that I often find as a yoga therapist, largely what I'm dealing with at the front end of most people's suffering is that they're underslept and deeply unrested and therefore many issues like depression and anxiety and all sorts of other things are really escalated by this lack of sleep. 
poor indeed lack of rest and so to actually encourage and dignify <laughs> the process of resting by you know just calling it yoga nidra and uh, you know deeply integrative kind of restorative rest is very profound it has huge health benefits but it's also profound spiritual practice that is in its origins and i have to confess i've spent the last six or seven years writing an encyclopedia of yoga nidra mm. which is called nidra shakti which literally means the power of sleep and of course nidra shakti is a manifestation of the deep feminine she, if you ask me, is the daughter of Nriti, the goddess of the night, who's often seen as a chaotic, destructive force. But to be honest, if you go in fighting her, that will be chaotic and destructive. But if you go on your knees, you know, it's a prostration to the goddess. So I don't say this to everyone, but to the, the community who's listening in, you may understand that there is a way to see this act of surrender to a greater strength to the cycles of life to actually lay down and rest your bones is in its very origin some of the original texts i i tracked like way before any yoga schools trademarked this rather which is kind of strange a lot of people have trademarked versions of yoga nidra which amuses me because it's a state of consciousness so i don't think you can <laughs> trademark the goddess but you know how people are they'll they'll do anything like that <laughs> <laughs> so but what it is is there's descriptions in the early text of actually the prostrations we make in sleep are indeed a worship to the goddess of sleep to the power of sleep and thus to the deep feminine herself and there's a particular hymn which is part of my own devotional practice which praises uh, 19 or depending how you count them 21 different forms of the goddess and the second one, the first one is, is buddhi, which is the intelligence of life. And the second one is nidra. It mm. honors the power of sleep as like number two in the top kind of accomplishments and powers of the goddess is her capacity to make us tired. And mm. what have we done to that? We've invented like Pro Plus and Red Bull and caffeine and all these stay awake, don't sleep pills. And so those really are an affront to the goddess, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so to rest is to settle into a deep power of surrender, which is her, really. So I see it. I don't say that to everyone. Obviously, I say, yeah, it's great to do yoga. It'll help you sleep. It'll give you inspirational problem solving capacities. It will assist with your, you know, various kind of health issues. It's really helpful around issues like, you know, challenges with fertility or menstruation. Deep rest is a really crucial part of healing but also it's a very radical act to actually stop and surrender to her, you know, to the earth apart from anything else. Cause horizontal humans, as you know, probably cause a whole lot less trouble. Than the <laughs> I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, coming myself from a background where I absolutely lived from that masculine side and was constantly doing and striving for results and, you know, looking for excellence and looking for validation from the external as well. I can completely relate to the importance of just surrendering and resting. And it hasn't been an easy process, Uma, to be able to relax into that surrender, to be able to let go of the need to do something that, as you say, truly is a radical act in our society and something that we really need to practice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I really feel that um, 
it is i mean surrender is not doesn't have a good press you know it's like but actually yeah. surrendering into the strength and power of of these life cycles you know it's one of them is the sleep cycle is really powerful and and um necessary because you know if we don't stop that that's just because we're going you know too fast so uh if, and there's a lot of people working on this in different ways and my particular way of working with it really is 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 to support people to practice yoga nidra themselves i also train yoga nidra teachers and i do it in a very i would say it's in a very sacred feminine way so we access people's creativity that's obviously mm. as a writer I, I i use this as a way to totally it's like a you're kind of hacking into the mother load in the nicest possible way the the, mm -hmm. the mother load of creativity and you're never going to be short of ideas if you're practicing yoga nidra and i encourage people to make a daily practice or when we train teachers we do it you know five ten times a day I run, i've been running a camp for 16 years of a community camp around um in avalon and um in glastonbury and we practice yoga nidra up in our camp five times a day is on the schedule and a lot of people show up and go what what kind of yoga is this everyone's just lying around they look, look like they're doing anything but like actually that's when all the real work gets done <laughs> indeed absolutely now uma you talked about um the menstrual cycle and, and menopause as well and how yoga nidra and other yoga practices can support women with that could you expand a little bit more on that please yeah, I think that um, if we see that, um, you know, the the menstrual cycle is in some ways like practicing being with the with the powers, the cyclical powers of life, you know, on a on a on a monthly basis. And that menopause itself is kind of an, an initiation into like embodying being that power. You know, what I see is that the capacity to really make any sense out of these cyclical flows and. Uh, challenges is really um it's enhanced by rest like what i see is that that there are certain points in the menstrual cycle that absolutely people's bodies are are calling for rest you know the menstruating body is 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 calling for, for deep rest and i work with the seasonal rhythm of the cycle it's a kind of shorthand where the winter time is the way to understand the the bleed time and in the place in the world where I live, I mean, it's different around the world, but the winter time here is dark and it's cold and you want to stay inside, you know, and, and it's an inner call to the inner world. Whereas the summertime, which would be the ovulatory time, is actually a time to be kind of called out into the world and to be engaging with the world. And so rest is important at every point in the cycle, but it becomes absolutely crucial during the premenstruum, which is kind of a call of gear change down, you know, like the fall, it's like harvest, uh, slow down, gather your resources, you're going into the dark void, you know, that's what the premenstruum is calling for. And so often, really intense sufferings around things like premenstrual tension, and, and um, massive menstrual pains and, you know, mental and emotional disturbances in the premenstruum are all totally exacerbated by exhaustion. And what I observe is one of the key simple ways to change the experience of the menstrual cycle, particularly of the bleed time and of the premenstruum, is to get sufficient rest around that time and to incorporate rest 
during the rest of the cycle. And the same goes for menopause because what I see a lot is adrenally exhausted women, women who've been like pushed to their limit right through their 30s and 40s come like crashing up at the gates of menopause and all hell breaks loose, you know, because it's that amongst all other parts of life is deeply calling for rest and reevaluation. And you can't do that stuff when you're tired. You just basically fall apart, you know. So it's almost like the premenstruum every month of a menstrual cycle is calling for an intimacy with rest that is really supported by having a daily practice of yoga nidra. You know, especially if those people who really don't like to rest or who, who who can't do it, they go, well, actually, no, I'm I'm not resting. I'm I'm doing my yoga nidra practice. You know, <laughs> they kind of feel, you know, it's helpful. It dignifies what you're doing. If that's what you need, it will help you stop. It's really crucial and see it's a game changer basically it's a game changer for the for menstrual experiences and for menopausal experiences too mm. yeah. well well certainly I, I think something that um, our listeners will will resonate with strongly and hopefully start exploring at a deeper level for themselves as well mm. Uma if, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you how, how would they find you Okay, well, an easy way to find me <laughs> is uh, through um, social media, which is just my name, Uma Dinsmore Tooley. So there's a there's a, an Insta feed and there's a Facebook um, uh, page, you know, of their work. And a lot of my resources you'll find on yonishakti.co. So there's a lot of resources um, of around the teachings about cyclical wisdom and the kind of feminine yoga, because a lot of yoga is not very friendly to, um, <laughs> to yeah. menstruating bodies, to menopausal bodies, to pregnant bodies, to postnatal bodies. Like the ordinary yoga doesn't really work because it was designed for men. So if you want to access the feminine yoga practices, yonishakti.co is a good place. And for the nidras, I founded um, the Yoga Nidra Network, which is a really beautiful open community of sharing with the Yoga Nidra. Now I think we have it in 23 different languages. We have a commitment to linguistic diversity wow. amongst other kinds yeah. of diversity. And uh, that's a place to, to, to all things Yoga Nidra are on the Yoga Nidra Network.org. There you go. That's a fair few places, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And I also understand that you've got a gift for our listeners, Uma. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I was thinking about what might be a lovely thing for you to listen to. And um, it's uh, a yoga nidra that was, was created as a gift. So it's a nice thing to be able to offer to you. And it it's, um, has a not just beautiful, poetry a beautiful poem called and the great mother said which i think your listeners would really enjoy that's worked into the yoga nidra but also it's a, it's a community effort because it was created with my dear sister shivani mata who is a, shivani mata is a wonderful devotional singer and creator of lots of beautiful uh, devotional music and uh, she's working on the faces of the feminine which is an amazing work of all aspects of the goddess she's a very amazing and wonderful sister i've worked with for many years and we're we're together in this yoga nidra singing and chanting and putting poetry together and it's very restful and um, i thought yeah you might enjoy to hear that <laughs> and you can get that from the yoga nidra network Mm, beautiful thank you so much for that uma you've given us so much information and so much wisdom in a very concise short amount of time i, I really appreciate that is, is there something else that you would still like to tell our listeners or or 
give them some advice? Oh, I'm not a great giver of advice, but I think that one of the key things is just to remember um, that if we restore our reconnection to the earth, you know, like with simple respectful behaviors to the earth, um, then we could, then that's the key to healing for ourselves and for the planet. So that actually it's like, you can remember all wisdom is within because she and her powers are within everything that's alive. So there's a thing. And that, that you can connect with through your heart. I have a beautiful, simple affirmation, which is with great respect and love. I honor my heart, my inner teacher with great respect and love. I honor my heart, my inner teacher. I learned that from Mukunda Stiles who's one of my yoga therapy teachers and i find it really helpful just to reconnect with your own inner wisdom listen in listen up reconnect to the earth and you can remember all this great wisdom and power lies within there you go <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much uma what a blessing it has been to have you with us and to to listen to everything that you have said thank you so much oh, i'm delighted to have been invited thank you so much for your um, the presence that you bring to this work and for all the great work that you and your community are doing to uh, really honor the sacred feminine power. Thank mm. you. Thank you so much. Now, everybody, let's just for a moment focus our intention on this beautiful, powerful energy that's been activated during this talk. And imagine sending that energy to everybody, everywhere on our planet, and especially to Mother Earth. And to remember that we are all one. And the more of us are willing and courageous enough to step into our sacred feminine power, the more quickly we will also shift the energy on our planet. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>